The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Why don't we, uh, why don't we pray, and then we can uh, dig into our lesson. So uh, just bow your heads. Father God, uh, again, uh, we're just so happy that your presence is here. We're happy that, uh, that we can gather together as a group, as the body of Christ, as your church, as your living and breathing church, that we may study your word and hopefully gain a better understanding just uh, open up our, our ears and our hearts to hear your message. Uh, I ask for personal strength. I just ask that your Holy Spirit moves among today in a way that is just so mighty that people can just come to understand you now in a better and stronger way. Give us our pray all these things in Jesus' name. So for the last three weeks, um, John has been uh, talking about habits. Um, so we have good habits, we have bad habits, and he kind of explain the things that you need to do to put better habits in your life and to take away the, uh, the old habits and remove those things from your life. So hopefully today's uh, lesson, the study, the sermon, will kind of dovetail nicely onto that and you can find some nice things to kind of replace some of those uh, old habits that you're getting rid of. So in preparation for, uh, for the sermon, I had a lot of fun. So sitting in my office and, you know, it's always, I don't know how John does it actually week to week, being able to prepare it always takes about 25 times longer than I think that it's going to take. And I said, I can just knock that out in this amount of time. No, it doesn't work that way. Because God takes you in many different directions and opens your eyes up to so much that uh, you kind of get distracted. And, and I'm like, squirrel, you know, where, where did that come from? But, you know, that's just that's part of it. It's part of the process. So hopefully uh, the words that I have today to share with you are, are inspiring in a way that helps you connect a little bit better. So started kind of looking back at my life a little bit, you know, you know, we were talking about who I am, the song, you know, it wasn't a coincidence that Nathan played that song today, and some of the scriptures that, that, uh, that were read are, are going to resonate in the message today, so I was kind of looking at my life to figure out who I am, you know, who, I, who have I been, so I started kind of looking at my work life, and what does that really mean, and, you know, because a lot of times we identify ourselves with what we do expect people to kind of think and feel that. <clears throat> so I started looking at the jobs over the last 35 years. So my first job as a 12-year-old was delivering newspapers. So many boys and girls uh, across this country have this as a first job, and I'm pretty confident that, that I can still toss the paper onto the front porch, right, Lisa, while riding my bike, you know, down the road making sure that I collect that money, sell some subscriptions uh, to earn a little extra cash as a 12-year-old. From there, I graduated. I graduated to, uh, uh, to the next thing. I became a lawn care management specialist. So anybody that knows what that is knows that you're pushing a lawnmower on, on people's lawns. Now, my, uh, my customers were kind of close to the neighborhood because I don't drive. So, you know, my grandmother lived up the street. I have people across the street. So, and I can still, I can remember. This is 35 years ago, and I can remember distinctly my customers. You know, the Williams, Mr. Williams across the street. I would cut his grass once a week. Mrs. Hunt, down around the corner, she was a widow. You know, she was probably 70 years old. She couldn't do for herself, so I'm out, uh, you know, trimming bushes, cutting lawns, doing that thing. And in addition to that, I had another customer um, um, that lived up the street. They were the Thomases. They were like a couple down from my, uh, my grandparents. And my mom was here in the first service. I kind of brought this up. Um, the Thomases actually ran Brunswick Theater. 
know what Marumsco Theater is, raise your hand if you don't. Wow, only a couple of people. So Marumsco Theater used to be the only theater in Woodbridge. You know, when the Beatles came to town, that's where they were premiered. Am I right, Nancy? Nancy's my aunt. She's sitting right here with me today. Um, it doesn't exist anymore. It was a 749-seat auditorium. It was huge. It had a balcony. Um, it, was, it was incredible. It's, if you wanted to go see a movie, and John would be proud that I mentioned this here, that's where Star Wars premiered, the first Star Wars. And there was a line out the door for people to get in for the show. So it was huge. And I know there was 749 seats because my parents met there because they worked for the Thomas's at the movie theater. And 20 years later, I worked there because of that connection. I was cutting this grass. Um, it's just funny kind of how things work out. And the reason I know that there's 749 chairs is because one of the chairs was missing. And it should have been 750 chairs, but one of them was broken. And that was broken for, I know, over 20 years. <laughs> they never fixed it. So I had a couple of other jobs along the way that, uh, that kind of, I guess, made, made me, you know, who I was with my career. And I did some other things. So I was a truck driver a truck driver for Appliance Connection. You guys know what Appliance Connection is? So my uncle, you know, he owns Appliance Connection. And Marty Noe, you know, you probably see his signs around town, he's the general manager of Appliance Connection. So I used to drive back and forth to Maryland, Columbia, Maryland, go pick up appliances in the big truck, and I used to bring them back. And then from there, I kind of graduated, because that's an easy job. You don't do anything. You know, I started actually delivering appliances, and Marty will probably kill me if I, I tell the story, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can remember that uh, he and I were delivering a refrigerator in Lake Ridge, and uh, brand new refrigerator. We take the refrigerator inside, and one of the wheels fell off the refrigerator as Marty and I were delivering the refrigerator, and it took and grabbed hold of the vinyl floor, and it tore a, 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 a yeah. Can you imagine he and I trying to explain to his, you know, to Mark Connison, you know, that that happened? Wasn't a good day. Wasn't a good day at all. I think we ended up having to pitch in and pay for that floor, and it was a lot more than we were working making at the time. <coughs> in addition to that, I worked at a cabinet shop. Now, that's not necessarily so uh, significant, a cabinet shop. You make cabinets and you take them, you know, you know tables, uh, you know, from that perspective, countertops. But, you know, that wasn't my most important job. It was a Korean shop. So I don't know if you know anything about the Korean culture, but there was a group of Korean men, and none of which spoke English except for one person. That one uh, guy um, was like the head of the, uh, the entire thing. But in the hierarchy in culture, you know, has to do with age and respect from that standpoint. So the newest, youngest person to the team um, actually got to cook the food. So I was actually the cook for seven Koreans, and I'm not Korean. So, and the funny thing is, it's the elder that has to check to make sure that you did it right. So I had to present the rice and the soup or whatever I was making that day to the elder, and if I had done it wrong, I'd start over and, and do it again. So I learned really quickly how to correctly. So it was important things that made me who I am. Um, in addition to that, uh, probably one of my hardest jobs was being a mason tinner. You guys know what a mason tinner is? It's kind of a fancy way to say that you mix concrete and you lift a lot of brick. So I was living in Virginia Beach at the time, and uh, I lifted a lot of brick up on scaffolding, and I mixed a lot of concrete. In fact, you know when you mix concrete and you have shorts on, it sticks to your legs, and it doesn't come off. I'm pretty sure I still have concrete on my legs today. 30 years later. Kind of scary. <clears throat> I also sold knives. You know, I was a, a cut 
Cutco salesperson. You guys know what Cutco is? Raise your hand if you have Cutco. I'm pretty sure that uh, there's at least 40 family members in the Woodbridge uh, Manassas area that own Cutco because I sold Cutco that summer. I think one of them sitting right there. I still have my original knives from 30 years ago. Yep. They don't go bad. It's fantastic. <clears throat> I also was a busboy. I was a waiter. I was a bartender. I managed a restaurant. Uh, I managed a couple of restaurants. So all things, again, you know. And then I went to work for a big international company, a services company. So I worked a, as a variety of roles over the course of about 11 or 12 years doing different things for that company in different arenas and atmospheres. So I worked in stadiums. I worked in hospitals. I worked in colleges, uh, secondary schools, kind of like uh, this kind of a school here. Um, I worked in prisons, you know. You, know, you gain a real appreciation for what you do when you have to work with prisoners to actually make food and you have to hand a knife to someone that may have committed murder to dice up carrots. So, you know, things that you learn along the way. So my most, uh, I guess, recent job and what I do today to earn money is I'm a home inspector. So what does that mean? What does that look like? I perform home inspections for people that are buying houses. I also do commercial inspections. I do radon testing. I do mold testing. And I've been doing that for about 18 years. Over the course of 18 years, I've done that about 7,000 times and probably done about 2,000 radon tests to help protect homeowners in the country. My probably most recent job that I can add to that list is pastor. You know, I was ordained last year, so I became a pastor. Some of the things that you do don't necessarily earn money. You know, this is all volunteer things. So, and I've also done some other volunteering things. So I've, you know, participated and volunteered for the board of directors. So I was on Prince William County's uh, interstate board uh, for two years. In addition to that, I was also on our homeowners association board. So I volunteered for that. Also, um, I've been participating in working with Habitat for Humanity for 30 years, and for the last eight years or so, I've been on their board as well. Obviously, a lot of things that I've done over the course of my lifetime. And I'm sure each and every one of you here could probably go back and look at all the jobs and things that you've done as well and, and, and write a list. So why do I say all this? Because as I looked at that stuff, I can't say that there was any one given thing that explains who I am. I mean, you can look at me and say, hey, he was a waiter, but that doesn't tell you who I am personally, the things that I have done, you know, what makes me up as a person. service. When she, when I was in her womb, when I was a baby in her stomach, okay, you know, there was not any one point that she said, okay, I think that he is going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, all she was wanting and praying for and desired was the fact that I was going to be born healthy and that it was someone that she could love, that I could grow up and be part of her family. And I'm sure that's what each and every one of you would want for your kids or your family members as well. You know, so she had no idea what was going to happen to me. I mean, my parents had influence on my life. I mean, they obviously tried to raise me in a certain way. They tried to give me values and whatnot. But, you know, they had no idea, you know, what, what college I was going to go to. They had no idea what color of hair I was going to have or the color of my eyes. They had no idea the woman I was going to marry. They didn't know how many kids I was going to have. They def definitely didn't know the profession that I was going to be in. But all these things are, are things that just really can't be determined until you live out your life. But one person did know, and that's God. God knew and knew intimately. He knew so much that he was willing to create me and, and plan out things for me before I was even born. The psalmist put it really, really clearly. I know we just read before, but David 
funny because he had a little dyslexia there. I told him it was Psalm 193. It's the, it was the author, isn't there, Psalm 193? I was like, pretty sure there is. <coughs> it's 139. 139, 13, and 14. And this is what it says. For you have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you and fearfully and wonderfully made me. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. And Cindy went on to, to read the rest of the rest of that scripture. And I just find it absolutely amazing the, the, the experiences and everything that David encountered in his life. How intimate a picture this is. He was he was soul searching when he was writing these things. He was digging deep, he was wrestling with God, he was expressing how he felt it. That's what's really nice about Psalms is you can really get an intimate picture on the way David or some of the other psalmists were thinking and feeling at the time. And they're just pouring, they're wearing their hearts on their shoulders, is what they're doing. And it just really gives us a clear picture of that. And I can appreciate that because I too, as I was preparing for this, kind of did a little bit of soul searching and trying to understand who I am. Wait a minute. I know that you know I was raised in a certain way. You know, my mom and dad told me you work hard, you set goals. You know, you basically can do anything you want to do if you set your mind to it. Those are the important things in life. You know, that's the strong work ethic, and there is nothing wrong with the strong work ethic. I, I know and I understand that, but it can be a trap. It can be a real trap. You know, because with that comes uh, some pitfalls. It starts to like define what you're do I hang around with? You know, if, if you fall into that trap of measuring who you are based on what you've accomplished, you're not getting a good picture of you. Not at all. <clears throat> the truth is, the jobs that I've done over the course of my life have nothing to do with who I am. And hopefully over the next couple of minutes, uh, we'll kind of explore that, what God has really intended for us, um, and what he wants us to be. Worth is not built upon our accomplishments. It's built on that. That cross, that symbol that we see, that image that we place in our mind. It's the fact that Jesus was hung on that cross and he was sacrificed for us, for every person in this room. Now, for some, if you're not a Christian, you might not quite understand that yet, but if you are a Christian, it's the very essence of everything that we're about so that we could, in a supernatural way, make a connection back with God and with him in heaven. So how do I know that this is important, that, that we are special? How do I know? Because God told us. It was clear. He gave it to us in his word. In Genesis 1.27, so God created man image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now the word image here is a very interesting word. I don't know that uh, it exactly meant the same thing that God was doing and how we perceive image today, but we can perceive it obviously in a couple of different ways. Today it can be an icon, it can be a logo, it can be our style, our swag, 
way we dress, how we present ourselves to others. Larry's going to put a couple slides up on the screen. And I just want you to look at the slides because they start to form what you see on the screen. See if you recognize it. See if it means anything to you. See if it resonates with you. Whether it be a company that you, you use or a product that you might buy or somebody that you might constantly bombarded into our, our minds. We see them every day or some of the people that, are, that were religious figures and we can recognize and resonate with who they are. We form their opinion about what's going on. The image, image is very intriguing. It's, it's something that, uh, that you kind of have to think about because it's not only like a presentation, you know, it's actually in the definition, a representation of external form person or a thing. It's a likeness. It's a resemblance. It's a reflection. And I know there's some people in this room that are going through the Bible Project, so we, uh, a few weeks ago, covered the book of Genesis, and we were talking about this, what God was meaning when he was talking about the image, what he was meaning to um, the people of Israel, you know, when he was talking about image. He created that nation same notion that he created you and me, he was creating you to be an image to reflect who God is. So I've got some tough questions in reference to that. When people look at you, who do they see? Or even better yet, when you look in the mirror, have you think of yourself? Who do you see? Do they see somebody that is patient? Are they seeing kindness? seeing a giving person that is willing to give their time, their talents, and their money to help someone in need? Do they see a humble person? A sacrificial person? Do they see somebody that is slow to anger? Do they see someone that loves beyond measure? Unquestionably. Sacrificial they see mercy and grace in your eyes when you look at them? These are all very difficult questions. It's things that we probably wrestle with in our soul. But these are the things that God wants you to display when people look at you. This is how you're supposed to project and represent Him. Did you know the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior, we were extended the right says it clearly in the scripture, John 1, 12 and 13. Let me put that up. But to all who died, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Just like the song says, that we are adopted 
with all the rights and privileges of being a son or a daughter of God, we are embraced by the Father that loves us unconditionally, willing to sacrifice his own son so that we can once again have that perfect union. He extends that gift to us through grace to all that are willing to believe in his son. This is really clearly stated in uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I can't tell you how many times I've actually quoted the scripture. I mean, it is almost the very basis of trying to explain to people what it means to be a Christian and to accept Christ. It's one of the common things that, that, that we use and we talk to people about. It's a powerful scripture. But it's only half the story. You know, what I neglected to like really, really see is the beauty in the next verse because that's where it becomes incredibly powerful. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared us beforehand that we should walk in them. See, the word workmanship, and it's translated a couple of different ways to be handy to, to, to actually create. The word workmanship comes from the and, the, and that really means in Greek that which has been made of God. We've been really made and created for a couple of significant reasons. Obviously, to love Him. You know, he wanted someone to worship. He wanted someone to love Him unconditionally, just like He loves us. But at the same time, He wants us to, to love one another. That's those are some of the things that uh, we're, we're told to do. You know, he has filled our hearts with compassion and the Spirit, and, and he is going to give you opportunities to look around yourselves to see either people in need, uh, someone is struggling with something that's going on, to have a compassionate heart to help, you know, or if it's just to pitch in with someone's grief. You know, whatever the reason may be or whatever might be happening at the time, God's going to speak to you through his Holy Spirit How well do we listen to this, this part of the process? Now, this is not for our benefit. It's not for our accomplishment. It's not to hang, you know, up on the wall to say, hey, I've done X, Y, and Z. It's not for us to boast and put out on Facebook. It's because of Christ. He made us specifically in a way that we could help one another. That's why he created us. You know, one of the missions of Hope Hill Church really important has to do with discipleship. It's Adam and Eve. Where you are, Eve, where are you? So Adam, um, he's, he's, he's the guy who's in charge of discipleship for our church. I know it's a passion in his heart, but uh, whatever we do as a church, he wants to make sure that each and every person in this room um, can get and understand the word of God and have a community in a way that we can grow and grow a relationship closer to know Jesus a little bit better, and not only to do that, but to prepare you in a way, to give you tools so that when you are given the opportunity to present that to somebody else, you can tell them about it. 
enough. It doesn't have to be a description. It doesn't have to be some long explanation. It can just be the way Christ has touched your life. He has loved you. And this is the reason why. Pretty simple. It doesn't have to be. You don't need to be have a PhD. You don't need to be a pastor to do this. To do those things. It's just what God has gifted us to do. Now, John and Gary and I, we uh, were just down in Florida recently. Attended the conference for Exponential. That's the biggest, largest um, church planning conference that I think they consider in the whole world. I, I think they, uh, the next year they're going to actually be going to London and having this as well. Uh, but 6,000 pastors kind of gathered uh, for four or five days down in Orlando, Florida, to talk about this very subject. On you know how do we convey this to the people that are sitting in the pews so they get have a better understanding on who they are and, and what they're supposed to do. And it was incredible. I mean, the music was fantastic. They had a worship band that was absolutely incredible. Not anything uh, that can compare to what David does on a weekly basis, but they were pretty good. Um, the speakers were phenomenal. Um, you guys know who Francis Chan is? Yeah, raise your hand if you can shake your head. Um, he was one of the guys that was up on the board. So Francis Chan's a pretty humble guy. He'd probably get mad if I said this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Gary and John were sitting in the front row during his like one-on-one session, and they were like rubbing elbows with him. So um, that was something that was pretty cool. I think they posted something on Facebook. But speakers like that, just incredibly dynamic speakers, were talking about the things that uh, we're talking about here today, and in just a very thoughtful way. Um, so the theme of the, the the whole you know week that we were down there had to do with made for more. That was the title of it. So what does made for more mean? Well, it means God made us for a purpose, you know. And the things that we get caught up in doing on life on a day-to-day basis isn't probably the things that God's necessarily intended for you to do. Now, they can cross over, but the primary focus should be something that's more than that, that you were built and designed and created in a very special way um, to, to do that. <coughs> so I, I look and I try to figure out, you know, what's God calling me? So I always fall back on two incredibly uh, important scriptures, and that has to do with um, when Jesus was asked what the most important commandments were, he told us to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, soul, and mind. So make sure that you do with all your strength. That's important. And then he went on to say to make sure that you love one another. Take care of one another. If you need something, make sure that you're healthy or you're receiving help from your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not only that, but help others that aren't even sisters in Christ so they can like figure out that you're different than somebody else and, and ask the reason why. You know, and then the second one is the Great Commission. It goes back to discipleship to prepare us, you know, to be able to use the tools that we've learned so that we can share the love of Christ with other people. He tells us to go out and make disciples. How do we accomplish this? How, how do we do it as a people? Um, so it's different to each and every person in this room. Because, again, you are uniquely made. You have your own set of gifts. You have your own set of things that give you passion. Um, the Holy Spirit is calling you in a different way. You know, there's teachers in this room. There's mentors. I'm looking back, and I see some of the people that have a huge impact on, on our youth. You know, they're there week after week being a mentor, sharing their faith with them, making sure you know, they're listening to you know, what the Bible says rather than listening to what the world is telling them. 
because if they listen to what the world is telling them, they're going to turn out definitely not the right way. So thank God for the people that can get together. We've got two ladies in the back, you know, Margaret and Alicia. I'll get to you, Julie. Hold on a second. You know, they, they are putting on a resale. I mean, how cool is that? We've done this every year. It's huge. It's big. You know, they need help. They need volunteers. They need people to participate. You know, we are going to take a bunch of free stuff and give it to people that have nothing, you know, that they could really use. You know, might not have a couch to sit on, you know, or a place to, to put a lamp or a, a lamp at that, you know, and they might not have warm clothes, you know, for the winter, whatever it is. You know, we're connecting and we're making sure that, that that's happening. So that's another way. So each of those different ways are going to look different to different people. Um, some of you might help out by passing out bags on Friday afternoon to, you know, to the community of Forest Park. Some of you might be holding a chair. Some of you might help set up screens. Some of you might teach a Sunday school kid in the back. Some of you might be um, kind of uh, using your skills as a marketing person or a project manager to help plan things that are happening or going on. But the key thing is, is that if you're a Christian, it's not like March Madness. This is not a spectator sport, okay? You're not allowed or permitted to sit on the bench and watch from a distance. You have to get involved. You have to participate. You have to search yourself to find out where God has gifted you and where you can have an impact. <coughs> I'm not asking for 20 hours a week, by the way. I'm really not. You know, if you're doing something already, thank you for your service doing two or three things, I really thank you for your service. If you're like Chris May and you're on eight different teams, I really, really thank you for your service. But, you know, if, you, if, if you're not doing anything at all, this is a way for you to connect. You know, we're talking a couple of hours, maybe a couple of times a month to be able to get involved. Now, I mentioned Julie. Julie has a team of people. The joiners are involved with her. Um, Jen Fries is involved with her. She is the person who coordinates, you know, all the needs that we have make sure that those needs get filled. Did you know there's 150 jobs that we have to fill before we move into Hope High School? 150 jobs. Now, do those jobs take 10 hours a week? No. It takes a couple of hours. But we still have to, like, get everybody to participate and do that in order to make that work. So I encourage you, you know, to participate. You say, well, you know, I don't know what I can do. I'm not sure what, 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 what's good, what's, what's available. I'm not sure how I can make impact. I've uh, actually got a list of, of what our needs are. I just happened to bring it, just happened to write it down. So these are the things that we need. Um, and if there's not something on this list, we can make it up to make sure it fits whatever your, your, your passion or gift is. So we need writers. We need admin personnel. We need workers to put up and set up different things in the church, especially when we move to the new church because we're going to have some platforms that we have to set up and we have to make things look nice, so we still have some setup teams. We need drivers. Um, we need musicians. I know Nathan and I have talked. He has basically two full teams. He would like to have four full teams. And I know that there's people in here that play music. You know, they can be part of a worship team. Serve once a month. It's you know, something that you can do. We need teachers. We need youth mentors. We need people that can spend time with our kids 
both from a children's standpoint and a youth standpoint to make sure, again, that they are getting the correct message and not feeding into what the world is telling them. We need parking lot attendance. We're going to have a really big parking lot. We're going to have to be able to control that and make sure that people are getting there. And we need people to greet those individuals as they're coming out of the parking lot with a smiling face. We need ushers to help people find seats. This is going to be a big auditorium. You know, we have a thousand seats. It's going to be, you know, very directed um, as, as the ushers are trying to help people. We need people to work in the nursery. We need hospitality team members to make coffee, to smile, to pass out, you know, the refreshments that they might have. We need volunteers for just about every aspect of the church. And if you don't want to reach inside the church, you can reach outside the church. Our extension, our arm to the community is Hope for Nova. There are so many things that you can get involved in there. There's food pantries, there's clothes, clothes closets, there's teaching kids uh, a second language, um, there's Bible studies that are going on there. Um, there's this incredible amount of things. You can help, you know, you can help Alicia pass out bag, bags to kids as they get off a school bus on Friday afternoon so they don't go hungry in the morning, that they can have some food. We need help in the precinct. The numbers are countless. So what I encourage you to do is back to Julie and make sure that you get signed up on a team. And if you're not signed up on a team, don't be surprised if she comes by and she, she asks you personally to participate in that. Because we do, we do need to keep everybody uh, historic. So I'm going to circle back around how we kind of started and talk about the question that I asked myself. Who am I? So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. They're going to bring you an envelope. everybody in the room to get an envelope. And over the course of the next month, I'm going to encourage you to do something. We're going to read it here in just a second after we open it up. Have a chance to look at it. But if you, if you have the opportunity, you're able. What I would want you to do is I want you to take the piece of paper that's in here, put a little piece of tape on the piece of paper, and I want you to tape it to your mirror. So it's the first thing that you see in the morning when you wake up brushing your teeth, what you're doing. And I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what it says and to reflect as you're looking in the mirror on who you are. So this is how I answered the question. I'm just going to read it. I am a child of God created in God's image, knitted together in my mother's womb by a master craftsman. I am a workmanship that is fearfully and wonderfully made, created in Christ Jesus in a unique and powerful way. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and presented to the church as a gift so that I can fulfill my calling and bring glory to God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is who I am. if you don't know the love of Christ I want you to know that you have an opportunity to become part of the family to share eternity with our Lord and it's all because of what he did up on the cross and if, if Jesus is speaking to you in a way that's calling to your heart pray with me today 
Father God, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that you were willing to make such an incredible sacrifice for us. We're so grateful that we were created in your image to do your good works so that we could be an image, a reflection, a representation of who you are to the world so that we can shine bright and so we can bring attention to you and to bring glory to you and your son, Jesus. Father God, I pray for the individuals in in this room that might not know Jesus but want to know you. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Just put your hand up in the air if you want to have a relationship with Christ, if you want to become part of the family. I just ask that you raise your hand. So, Father God, I just ask that you take a look at us, look at us as individuals. I ask that to, to, to look past the sin that I've done in my life. I ask for I ask that Jesus become part of my life. I ask that he comes into my life and he empowers me through your Holy Spirit in such a supernatural way that people can do nothing but just to wonder why I'm so special. I just pray. Pray.